Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to In Liberty and Health. Um, I've been good friends with this person for quite a while now. I'm pretty sure it's probably over two years now, which it doesn't feel quite like that at all. Um, it's been about 112 episodes since the last time he was on here, and it doesn't feel like that at all either. But um, unfortunately, my original guest had to cancel tonight, so I really, really appreciate my friend, uh, who you're going to see here in a few moments, uh, jumping in to save the day, if you will. And uh, I think we're going to cover a lot of the same topics. Um, the greater truth, libertarianism, and much, much more. A lot of this stuff has been on my mind lately. And if you listen to some of my conversations, maybe even some of the stuff I've talked about on Twitter recently, then um, I think you're going to understand um, where we're going with this conversation. So um, obviously, links below to find where you can find my guests, myself, all the cool stuff I got going on, tigerfitness.com for all your supplements, all that good stuff. I just got an order in of uh, multivitamins. I pre-ordered their protein powder, which I'm really, really excited to try. I haven't tried their ice cream sandwich flavor, so super stoked for that. Oh, and their cookies and cream. I haven't had that one either. Uh, DrinkLMNT.com slash in liberty and health to get yourself some electrolytes and let them know that I sent you. And you also get a little bit of free electrolytes as well. And obviously, my guest and I have a mutual friend in Mr. Stephen Fox from Fox and Sons Coffee. So make sure you go to his website and use code Kyle at checkout to let Steve know that I sent you. And you can support the amazing coffee that he drinks, or as my guest would say, that big, bold coffee. Anyways, <laughs> without further ado, everybody. Let's go. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> all right. Tommy, how you doing, man? What's up, brother? Nothing. I'm uh, glad to have you back. And yeah, I had to scroll through and go quite a while back to see the last time that we spoke. 112 on fucking on episodes, show. man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I've been it, pumping it, them out. I was laughing because you you went with the big, bold coffee. And <laughs> we're actually, I'm supposed to re-record a, uh, a new advertisement mm -hmm. for Fox & Sons where Beatrix and I are doing it together. And she's like, this is not your basic bitch coffee. <laughs> so, so we're doubling up on the BBC, man. <laughs> you and your wife are both share. Well, no, you guys are both taking on separate BBCs. I can really commend that. That'll take some strength. <laughs> uh, so anyway, some of the stuff I want to talk about today, as I said in the intro was, uh, I, I've, I don't want to necessarily say I've been questioning my roots, but maybe I really have been because um, 
the way that I see a lot of people interacting and the way I've had to interact with a lot of people, particularly religious people recently, um, has kind of had me call to question a lot of the foundations and things that I guess you could say I presuppose about our world and our beliefs and the way the world works and even my beliefs as far as libertarianism goes. Um, so one thing that kind of set this off and one thing that I obviously want to get your opinion on as well was uh, people when it comes to these I, I don't want to say autistic but let's face it they're severely autistic libertarians and this post had got quite a bit of likes so i want to share this with you and kind of get some of your opinions on it and uh i i think you'll probably agree with largely with where i'm coming from and probably uh share similar thoughts but um somebody said i don't make ethical statements based on what's more preferable if you had to pick being enslaved versus being enslaved and tortured yes indeed being enslaved could be more preferable this doesn't change the fact that there's no justification for enslavement and this had kind of came from a thread with um dave <clears throat> smith here saying that it's preferable that the government uses force to keep drug addicts out of public schools and to which i quote tweeted and said why is it so hard for libertarians to just say crackheads not being near kids in public schools is preferable to having crackheads near in public schools and i may have butchered the way that i said that but um basically people just unable to state like, <coughs> what to me seems like a pretty simple preference um i know i threw a lot at you there but go ahead the floor is yours <laughs> well people have this weird idea of enslavement to begin with uh, mm -hmm. so they they automatically think that that is like some that means you have some ruler over you and i guess to it to a degree it does but let's say you're a drug addict well you're enslaved you're in, you're enslaved to your addiction right sure if, if you're if, if you're some um you know guy who can't go two days without like looking at pornography you're enslaved to pornography so like what are we talking about enslavement like what what does that mean right and so you're you're always going to there's there's a different like from the christian mindset right especially from the orthodox christian mindset like i would say like there's a difference from um choosing enslavement to a substance or what we might call a passion or or the world and enslavement to to god right mm -hmm. because one of them brings you joy and freedom and the other brings you misery and 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 poverty along along the the like along the way within the journey so when you're talking about like having your kids open to crackheads like i i find it very hard to believe that anybody would be okay with this like anybody with children right if you if you're a if you're a parent and you're raising children and you're engaged with those children some parents are not really parents they're just kind of place keepers and they're not engaged they don't sure. care maybe they're drug addicts and you know, the child's there for, you know, government benefits or whatever, you know, and that's kind of why they had them. And, and there are these terrible cases and these horrible things that go on in the world. And that's part of being human, but people have to understand that you're, 
you're going to try to concoct the best possible environment for your child. You're, you're trying to create the best possible environment to make your child successful, right? If nothing else, because instinctually you understand that that child is kind of your retirement program. Like in all honesty, like let's just be honest about what children are. They, they, they come from your loins. They're part of your family. They're someone you love, but ultimately when you're, decrepit and you can't do anything for yourself they either care for you or they put you in a nursing home it's like what do you prefer so what kind of environment are you going to provide for your children depends on how they're going to treat you at the later years of your life right Mm -hmm. and you have to understand that and and kind of think about that in, in some totality Right. So somebody had kind of wanted to go down this road a little bit. And um, let me see. I want to make sure I give you full context to be fair to this person. Um, They said there's a big difference between saying one option would have preferable consequences, saying that a person would be justified in acting to achieve those preferable consequences. And this is where I think people kind of lose the plot. And I, I, I make sure I get this comment right. And a lot of people seem to like it when I kind of hammered this point home, I said, if you want to maintain a free society and one worth living in, these preferences are necessary. Order must be established absent a state as well. And like, I mean, even by saying that absent a state as well, that's still like a very, 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 you know, hypothetical situation that like, we're never going to see anyways. But like, I think even in the situation that you might see that even if you do get your hoppy and community, then, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of expectations that are placed upon you. And I think that's a lot of something that like a lot of libertarians don't want to, they, they reject this because they think that, you know, there is no order, you know, no rules, no masters. So therefore, there shouldn't be any expectations upon me. But like, with the freedom that you're going to have in this, covenant community of you know this hypothetical world that we're talking about there is a great burden placed upon you to maintain the order of that society well it's bullshit right so like the the example that anarchists like to use and i and i know this because i used it a lot whenever i labeled myself an anarchist was well you go through 99 percent of your day Mm. is without like force involved right and why is that it's because people have boundaries and you recognize these boundaries and you respect those boundaries and you interact with others in the way that you expect them to interact with you right so you don't go to the grocery store throwing shit off the shelves all over the floor right that's not the way that we interact oh they don't have what i want Ah, this isn't the brand i like you don't just like you just find what you need to find you like, so there's, there's a common way that people interact with each other and it's, and it, you expect people to interact with you in a specific way and others expect you to interact with them in a specific way. This is why people get so angry when someone cuts them off in traffic, right? Well, you're not being considerate. Right. You're not thinking about the repercussions what could have happened? We could have gotten in an accident. One of us could have died. Like mm-hmm. why? Like, and then you, that's where road rage comes from, right? Because you're not treating me in a considerate manner. 
Right. And you're also violating a norm because you expect people when they're driving to act a certain way and mm. you expect that to replicate over time. So when people mm. unexpectedly, you know, jerk over, then you're like, okay, well, this, this fucking asshole just comes right. off. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so you can, you can actually monitor your expectations of reality and society based upon your reactions. Like you, right. I mean, like how the way you react to the, to, to your daily occurrences tells you what you believe your norm, the norms are. Well, so one thing I also wanted to kind of touch on a little bit there is how, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it almost seems like you came to the point of saying enslavement isn't necessarily a good or a bad thing. Like it's almost neutral, but it also, like, it's a necessity. Matters. Sure. Okay. Go ahead. It's, it's, an, it's a necessity. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're going to find something to enslave yourself to. Like, that's it. Like, you're going to find something to enslave yourself to whether that master is, you know, a a cotton farmer or whether that master is a substance or something that makes you feel good in the moment. This, this, like you're going to find something to enslave yourself to, Mm -hmm. you know, some people enslave themselves to music. You and I well-versed in that, you know, category. Some people enslave themselves to substances. I'm sure, you know, drug addicts as well as I know drug addicts, you know, so it, it's not, it's not whether or not you're going to be a slave. It's what are you going to be a slave to is, is that going to be healthy? Like let's, let's take you for instance, you're, you're very fit. You're into health you're almost a slave to being fit. Sure. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But that's not a negative thing. Like nobody's saying it's a negative. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it just, it's like, what do you allow yourself to be enslaved to? Sure. I want to get to some of these comments real quick. JVP, our uh, dear brother, Tommy, be like me and tell Kyle to have a kid already. Tommy's on point with what he's saying about parenting. <laughs> <laughs> what's up yeah. man <laughs> yeah he was just hanging out with pete the other day uh both him and pete sent me pictures of one another i'm like oh man i i just like it just made me smile like these guys are like two of my favorite people just fucking awesome and then yeah. uh my dad dropped by in the chat uh tommy i would <laughs> maybe one day i'll see if i could drag my dad and that my dad and myself down to texas but i uh, i'm pretty sure what he's getting at is that he's enslaved to work so um if you know anything about my dad then he's uh you know, all, he works a lot, but then he also enjoys, you know, the work that he does as well. So like even outside of work that, um, and that, I mean, that's not, that's not abnormal for your dad's generation either. Like, absolutely. Like, yeah. Like there was a, there's a term you're not going to hear very often anymore, but that was utilized very much for your dad's generation. And like my uncle John, we called him a workaholic. Oh, I still hear that occasionally. Never yeah. stopped. Never stopped. <laughs> My grandpa was the same way. My uncle John was like that. Like they were just workaholics, but on the, but to the other, other side of it, my uncle Tommy was a crackhead mm-hmm. and he was the same age as my uncle John still is. I mean, still the same age. They didn't change ages, but, but yeah, like, it's like, okay. Like, so we have, there, there are these things that you kind of choose in your life that push you in a direction and you, you develop these quote unquote habits or addictions or enslavements. 
it's it's there's not much difference right well one thing that i've kind of tried to notice a lot when i kind of consume media and listen to conversations a lot is like notice when you're being manipulated so like one thing that i've noticed a lot hopefully you don't hear accent barking his fucking head off i'm guessing my wife's probably walking through the door right now <laughs> is i heard that like- him but it didn't bother me any <laughs> okay cool i'm surprised well, hope- mine haven't barged in yet because they can <laughs> push this door open if they feel like it <laughs> okay yeah speak of the devil what's up buddy see there he is what's up but, dude um- <laughs> Yeah, see, he, he needs some attention. That means my wife's probably home, and he's he's like waiting for her to come into the house. Um, hey, come give like, her a kiss. She's home. Go get her, buddy. Go get her, buddy. Um, <laughs> whenever I listen to people talk about anything now, like particularly when it comes to like masculinity, um, a phrase that I like to use a lot is container word. So, like, basically, a container word would be a word that people will fill with their own hopes and dreams and their own definition in order to like achieve an end. So, like, when you hear people talk about masculinity typically they're trying to get you to be more like them because you know as guys we look up to other guys as role models but like they're going to say whatever makes them look or feel good as a way of describing masculinity so like when you look at the definition it's just pertaining to men but like you and i would both probably largely agree on things that we would describe as like positive masculinity but people are just going to throw masculinity as a term generally to manipulate other men to doing something one of the most positive um characteristics of being masculine is actually being tender right because it's not going to be i mean i'm sure you found this over years i've found this over years but the people that are are most aggressive and and the hardest to deal with the hardest to get along with are usually the weakest right it's like the guy at the bar running his mouth is usually the one who's going to get his ass kicked. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's that kind of situation. It's just like, if you feel like you have to show something off, then you're, you're probably not what you're trying to say that you are. And so I just kind of, whenever I, I see people going down these like roads of like red pill or something like that, I just kind of shrug because it's like, I didn't, I mean, Growing up, like with my dad, it was like the way that you showed that you're masculine is that you provided for your family. It was, it had nothing to do with the way other people saw you. It had to do with the way your wife saw you. Right. Like that's much more important. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But this kind of goes to the whole point of like being manipulated is that like for a situation like that, your dad probably understood that like the way that he had to do things is the way that he had to do things and like fuck everybody else. And generally that that should be your perspective. Like, what the fuck do you care that some people on the Internet tell you, you know, here are eight tips to be the best man possible. Number four will surprise you. Drink water. Right. Um, (laughs) Like, yeah. But like, this is literally what some people will say. Like, who gives a fuck what they say? Are you accountable to the people that are around you? Do the people around you respect you? Are you a reliable person? Well, then that matters, you know, so much more than what any single brand is going to tell you about how to be a masculine man. Like (laughs) people look up to people online and reasonably so because like you know you get good information online and get to interact with wonderful people much like yourself but like don't let these other people kind of dictate and live your life for you or tell you how to live your life because regardless it's always going to be general it should always be on your terms well if you're i mean yeah and you know i had a i had a situation last week and i'm i don't feel like it's necessary to get into details but 
I, I brought a man to tears through an act of kindness. Right. Not by being mean to him or not by kicking his ass or mm-hmm. like, who does he look at? He, he probably looks at me as like one of the most masculine people he's in engaged with, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And just mm-hmm. through a simple act of kindness, it wasn't like I was doing anything crazy. It didn't hurt me. It, it put me out 30 seconds of my day and it made his day. Right. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, why can't we just do that? Mm-hmm. Why, why is it, why is it difficult for, for us? And it's because we're cynical. Mm-hmm. It's because we're cynical human beings and we look at everybody as a scam. Mm-hmm. There, there's a, there's a story about father Seraphim Rose rock, walking down the street with a monk in San Francisco and there's a homeless guy on the street begging, right? And he walks up to Father Seraphim and he asks Father Seraphim Rose for a few dollars. And Father Seraphim Rose reaches in his pocket. He pulls out a couple of bucks. And it is all the cash he had. And he handed it to the guy. And the guy walks off happy. And the monk looks at Father Seraphim Rose and he goes, Why, why'd you do that? He's just going to go buy beer with it. And Father Seraphim Rose goes, what did you think I was going to buy with it? Yeah, it's like what's so what I, I yeah. I give up a six pack to make somebody's day, like right. One thing that I love about that story though, and specifically the ending there, and this is very very important, is that he doesn't have a covert contract. So like this idea that like you're giving a lot of people will do this and this kind of goes to another point that you were making is that like a lot of people will do something for somebody or give something to somebody with the expectation they'd get something in return right so it's not like a coming from a sincere place that story that you just told the reason why i really want people to like listen and hone in on that is because he gave because he thought it was the right thing to do and he expected nothing in return and that's really the only way in the only position you really most fit to give in if you're giving because you're expecting things back then you're already in a bad place and you have to be okay with basically giving someone you know a hundred dollars if you're going to do that and then they burn it right in front of your face and you have to accept that that was what they were going to do with it but if you're giving and expecting people to do things for you then like i said i don't think that's the right mindset so that's that's i I like that story a lot yeah never never give with the expectation that you're going to get the money back um when i was when i was young I, um, I had all my kids really, really young. So by the time I was 26, I had five kids and, um, I was paying child support on three and I was at two and their mother living with me and she refused to work. And after I paid my child support, I would bring home $200 a week. And it was very hard to feed children and, and pay rent and all that on only $200 a week. And there were many weeks that I would have to swallow my pride, which is basically what it boils down to and, and turn and ask my parents for help. And my mom would help me and she would say, okay, I'm going to give you money. Like, and I'd be like, I'll pay you back one of these days. I'm going to be in a situation where I can pay you back. And she tells me, I don't want you to pay me back. What I want is that when you're in a situation to help somebody else, that you do that, that you help them. I don't, I don't expect that money back. 
what I expect is that I'm instilling a virtue into you that you can pass on to somebody else. And, and now I'm in a situation where I have those opportunities and I relish those opportunities and I look at them as opportunities because of what it does for building a community and what it does for building personal relationships. It's like, if there's a, a 20 year old kid who just found out his girlfriend's pregnant and can't afford diapers. Like, okay, like I'll buy you a pack of diapers, dude. Like what, I mean, what's another $13 on my grocery bill? I mean, if I really want to bitch moan and groan, I'll bitch moan and groan about the $60 I spend every day at the grocery store, not the $13 this guy needed for a little help, you know? Right. There are much, much larger things to kind of worry about. But I, I, there's one thing that I want people to take away from this podcast specifically that is that like the idea of a covert contract where you give things it, under the guise that you're being charitable under the expectation that you get something back is just such a poison mindset. Um, let me read these real quick. Uh, well, <laughs> women I give up on, uh, but I can't feel good if my kids don't have what they need. A man provides for his family, puts them first. Um, and I could say that my dad has gone above and beyond in that very, very many different regards and respect. I like how he, I like how your dad focuses on sick women and ignores the well women. <laughs> and our mutual friend, uh, Rachel Wilson. Great Hello, to see you, Rachel. <laughs> she was just on a week or two ago. It was a really, really fun show. So go check that out. I got to have um, her back I, on soon. Oh yeah. She's a blast. She's absolutely wonderful. I was, uh, her husband was critiquing, um, Brandy and I's show and, and for good reason. And uh, me and him were messaging back and forth. And uh, every time Brandy pretty much opens her mouth on Twitter, I always have to say like, I'm not my sister's keeper. <laughs> like, listen, <laughs> we disagree on a lot. And like every single time she, she goes on Twitter, I'm like, my inbox is going to be blown up now. Everybody's being like, <laughs> well, do you see what she said? Why did you, I know, man. To, why did you, why did you teach her how to log into Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have some responsibility in this respect because she had less followers than me. And she was like, Hey, I want to come on your podcast to talk about stuff. Like, okay. Yeah, no problem. And like, you know, her and I still have great conversations every week and we'll continue to have good conversations. But, um, you know, I, I don't know, like I, I this maybe gets to another good point where I see her and Ryan talking about polyamory and like I, every time that that's my reaction is like, I don't know, because they're like preaching that's very, very hyper minority of people. And like, I, I honestly do believe if you had widespread polyamory. Dude, in that show is gay. I believe if you have widespread polyamory in any society, it's it's not going to end well for that culture. <laughs> I'm just. Saying. I love my co-hosts dearly, but um, yeah, they seem like nice people. They just don't. I don't know. It's it's like I talk to some people sometimes, and I'm like, look, here's my thing. The reason I'm not interviewing the guy that the person that you want me to interview is because they don't have the life experience that I have. I want to talk to. people people that have like more life experience than me. I want to learn something mm -hmm. and I'm not learning anything sure. from this. Like, it's just like, sure. all right, whatever. You know, dude, I, I totally get it. And 
like I said, it was more something that I was invited on. And we kind of see the cultural dialectic going on now and the conversations that people are having. And like, I, I feel like a lot of that conversation does typically kind of fall around very, very low IQ talking points sometimes. But this is kind of something I wanted to get into you with you and Jay um, with a little bit. Um, when it comes to kind of going beyond that, and as the show you know is titled a greater truth um i understand the criticism of well you guys don't get into the metaphysics but like my question here is that like your metaphysics to me and you can correct me as much as you see necessary and i'm sure it's going to be very very necessary and a lot but like it seems like when you start talking about metaphysics then people are going to have a different i'm not understanding a physicist so like, what do i know like okay so you and rachel for example are orthodox christians and once again correct me if i'm wrong but like you guys believe that the spiritual world is also here and obviously there is an afterlife as well once again if i'm wrong correct me but then like okay maybe muslims might view this differently and then protestants may view this differently so when people talk about metaphysics it's it's hard for me to kind of look at this and say like okay well this is going to fall down to how each individual person views metaphysics in their religion. So mm. if I'm missing anything here, correct me. And if I got anything wrong, correct me as you see fit. Mm. I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> so let's try it this way. Sure. Do you believe in uh, memetics? Uh, defined as so like the the ideas or kind of like the governing ideas of a society so these are things that are unseen unspoken just believed and moved and moved throughout the society right basically you're I don't believe that they're a physical thing but I would say that well I'm just saying um, do you believe in memetics I mean I, I don't I mean, thoughts aren't physical, so like, yeah, we can agree on that. Okay, so then, yeah, I would say I agree with memetics, but I don't believe they're like a physical thing. I believe that they're ideas that people agree upon. For I don't, I don't think any, I don't think any Orthodox Christian is going to tell you that the spiritual world is physical, though. Oh, no, no, no. Well, once again, if I, if, if I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to give you, I'm trying to give you an analogy to make it easier. Sure. Okay. All right. So, like. Like if you if you really read Young or or any of these guys like these uh, psychotherapists or you read uh, anything on memetic theory, right? Like it's it's talking about these ideas that flow within society, but they're unspoken ideas. They're it just kind of is. It's just kind of the way things operate, right? Mm -hmm that's kind of the way you got to look at the spiritual world. Like you're not going to, it's very few people that are actually going to actually like put their hands on anything spiritual. Like that's just not the way that the world works. And typically if you're a person that, that puts your hands on something spiritual, let's say you actually see something or experience something. It will work of like the a, spiritual nature. Sure. So, like, when you say this, are you talking about maybe something supernatural? Like, I and I hate to because it's going to sound like I'm bringing it down to a dumber level, but I feel like this is the best way for me to understand it. Um, like a supernatural event and physically touching something that you 
wouldn't necessarily be able to describe so like let's say you saw a ghost or an entity that didn't seem of this world like i said this sounds like i'm bringing it way low but is that no, too simple? I mean, that's fine. no that's fine okay. like we we can go that route sure because it because it's it's all about going to be about the same um so the people that have these experiences are are people that have have either been in in communication with with the spiritual world for years and for a long period of time or people that are are very scarred from from things that have happened in their past right mm -hmm. like there are there are things that happen happen to the psyche that open you up to things like this. So, so you can take the new age approach and you can start talking about astral projection and you you know, all these things and, or, or you can take the, the Christian perspective and you can talk about demons and et cetera, but it doesn't matter. Hey, real Those quick. I'm, I'm I, I hate to keep interrupting you, but so no, like, you're fine. Go ahead. The difference? Yeah. You know, well, I just want to make sure this is all fleshed out. So I, so I understand where you're coming from. So what would be the difference between like the new age, as you said right there, and then the Christian perspective? Because I think you were making a different or you're making a different point there. Yeah. Well, oh, so, shit. I'm just going to punch my microphone because you keep asking questions. Um, yeah. Retard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the retard who hit my mic. So. Um, I'm the retard asking questions. No, so. no, you're, you're fine. Um, so when you're, when you're looking at, let's say like the new age perspective, you're talking about, uh, I'm trying not to like paint anybody into a corner here. Um, but let's say you're talking about like, um, what was that, that, uh, uh, the whole, like, what would Jesus do or the Jesus conscience, right. That Oprah used mm -hmm. to talk about, remember this? Oh, uh, okay. Okay. You see, like that type of deal, like that, that kind of like, you're like kind of woo woo kind of, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, you even sure. get it kind of with like the, the Neo Hinduism and, mm -hmm. and like the new yoga kind of stuff going on where you're like, everybody's one and are you spiritual, not religious? Is that kind of what you're getting? Yeah. At? That kind of deal. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. That, that works. That's, that's a good way, but it's just kind of like one of these things where they're tapping into things. They, they are doing things and they're tapping in. When you talk about astral projection, right. And you're in your, you're moving your body, your, your soul upon the astral plane, but your body is stationary and you're going across the landscape and you're only attached to your body through the silver cord. And if the silver cord gets cut, then you die. And so you only have so much time to be outside of your body experiencing this, right? Like these are things that have been going on that, that have been going on for decades. These people have been dealing with, and it's very new agey in the way that we describe new age, but it's been going on for a long time. So as people are, the people that are more susceptible and, and able to tap into this kind of spiritual thing, it's, it's, it's almost a negative, I would say. It's, it's actually harder for, for those people to, to kind of deal with society, right? 
And it, it's like, by you asking the question, it's like, well, obviously you don't have the experience, you know, and it, and it might be better off that way, you know, because now you're more grounded and, and that you have that, that kind of like grounded place where you can stand and you can just kind of examine life from a, kind of a neutral perspective. Whereas some people don't have that opportunity due to circumstances in their life. Okay. So my, why problem, are we going down this road? This is so weird. No, no, because I'm, I'm, this, this, I don't listen, usually this talk. Is, I don't usually talk about this type of stuff. I know. But like, so first of all, not only am I most comfortable, well, I shouldn't say most comfortable. I'm comfortable talking to anybody, but like, you know, you and I are pretty tight and we talk about, you know, mostly music and dogs. And then you're, you're, you're trying to get me into, uh, uh, MMA. I, I just, I'm, I'm trying Sean, I I would vote for Sean Strickland as president. I will say that right now. He hey, is so fucking based. Mike, I love it. Mike Perry is fighting Tiago Alves, April 27th, bare knuckle boxing. That's going to be a blood fest, man. I am Jesus. so down. <laughs> okay. Well, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that that's all right, all right. Yeah. Now I may have to watch that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That sounds absolutely horrible. But um, so like, when it comes to people coming to religion, because you're agnostic or you were agnostic, um, I still consider myself agnostic, but I, I'm constantly questioning this. And I I would hope that people can at least interpret this as good faith because I, I always come at this as I sincerely don't know and always hoping to learn. Um I I a lot of people seem to have experiences that seem to push them over the edge into belief. And uh, that may sound negative, but like that they had an event that seemed so overwhelmingly supernatural that they just had no other choice to believe. So like I was engaging with somebody at one point and they asked me, well, do you not believe in miracles? I said, well, I, I do, but like, I also believe that like, there's a lot of things that can be explained rationally through science or, you know, through whatever that, may seem like a miracle to some people, but just weren't explainable at the time. But then again, there are also situations that are probably just well beyond our understanding. I don't know what to attribute that to. I think that a lot of religious people may just chalk that up to, well, saying that that's God working. I don't know that I would say it's that. I would just say I, I, I don't have a good explanation. But, you know, I, I think people saying that it's a miracle done by God, I think, is a reasonable jump to make. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to tell a story to answer this. Sure. So, all right. My youngest son was born. Um, it was like 18 years ago. And um, he was perfectly healthy at birth. And uh, I went home. Uh, left my wife and him because I had another son at the house that I had to be keeping an eye on. So... I, I went, I went home after his birth that night, he slept through the night. The next morning they brought him to my wife. It was 12 hours after the birth. They brought him to my wife to breastfeed. He started vomiting blood. And, uh, so they immediately took him, put him in ICU and they didn't know what was going on. They ran tests. Um, I, I got back to the hospital as fast as I could. Once I found out what was going on, 
I had to get my other son to his grandparents' house and all that. So I get back there and they start asking me, they're like, do you want to do blood transfusions? Is it against your religion? I'm like, y'all do whatever you got to do to keep this kid alive. I don't care. Just, just do it. And so they begin doing blood transfusions and, um, they moving from Memorial city hospital to, uh, down to, uh, I think it was St. Herman's downtown Houston, uh, women's and children's hospital in downtown Houston. They, they, they life flight him out there. He just won't stop vomiting blood. Um, at one point they thought they got him to stop vomiting blood. They had me come back to the nursery to hold him. And as I'm holding him, he just vomits like, and it's just blood. I mean, it's just the darkest red you can imagine just comes pouring out of his mouth all over me, all over him. I think my ex-wife still has those clothes uh, from that experience. And this went on for six days, just vomiting blood, vomiting blood, running tests. Couldn't figure out what was going on. He didn't have anything going on with his stomach. Like there was, there was no reason for this happening. And suddenly it stopped. And a day after it stopped, they sent him home. And he never had any health problems again. I mean, he wouldn't even get a cold most of the time. Like most years, he was like the healthiest kid there was. And I watched this happen. And I was engaged in the church or in in a Baptist church as I'm watching this happen. And as I'm watching this happen, and then he is instantly healed, it all stops. I attribute it to God. And then I become agnostic. So it doesn't matter if you witness a miracle. Your cognitive dissonance will take over. So you'd be like, yeah, I witnessed a miracle. And then be like, but that wasn't God. That was just a random coincidence. It was just an occurrence. Or you can be like, wow, God really blessed me with a healthy child after this terrifying incident. And maybe this terrifying incident was to remind me how wonderful it is. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I have a healthy child. Mm-hmm. So it's in your mindset, in the way that you're viewing these things, and the way that you're accepting these things into your mindset as to whether or not you're going to accept the realization of God. It has nothing to do with God, 
or what he's doing, the way he's working, it has that has nothing to do with your acceptance. It's it's the timing. It's whether or not you're ready at that moment. I wasn't ready for a long time. And then I I discover orthodoxy and I spend two days in tears being like, holy crap. After that occurrence, how could I have said there is no God or I'm not sure that there's a God, but I did. And that was the life I lived for, I think like 12 to 15 years after that happened. So, I mean, you can, I don't think it really matters what people see or what people experience. I mean, you're, you're as aware of cognitive dissonance as anybody when you talk to people, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what the truth is. Doesn't matter what reality is. It just matters what people are prepared to believe. So I guess my one question to that. Man, that got somber. Yeah, no, I I I was exactly sure how how to follow up with that. (laughs) But that's a true story. That's a true story. True, Tommy. That's why when the Pharisees asked Jesus to perform a miracle to prove himself, he told them that they wouldn't believe it. Yep. Yeah, that's that's yeah. totally fair too. There's there's a so, parable that Jesus tells um about let's see if I can remember exactly how this goes. So the it's it's the vineyard it, it's the vineyard owner. He sends out servants and unto the world and and the people they keep murdering his servants. So he's like, well, I'll send my son. I'll send my son. They won't kill my son. They'll believe him. And he sends his son and they kill him. And this was a representation of how the Jews killed all of the prophets that God sent. And then they also killed his son. So I I guess one question that I would have to kind of follow up to that what would you think about people and i think this is kind of a weak argument and i think you'll probably come up to a very very similar answer as well um to people who would look at the same situation that you maybe had and you know let's say in worst case scenario that your son didn't make through that what would be the kind of mindset to still kind of guide you to saying that like well god is still acting fair and just like in my mind i from the outside looking in i would believe that most reasonably religious people would still cling to their belief i shouldn't say cling but like they would still have faith and like i i think that's a good thing so like anytime i'm talking about this i don't want people to think that i'm like punching down at people religious i'm I'm not at all because I'm, i'm genuinely fascinated by it and something that i'm reconsidering day by day by day so what would be your perspective on you know a more worst case scenario okay so then we have to ask ourselves why was death introduced to the world right and if you remember death was introduced after the fall of man death was introduced as for because of man's sin it was it, and it wasn't just introduced because of man's sin it was introduced for man's sin, right? Without the the without death, man has no ability to repent. The angels don't get a chance to repent. Once an angel's fallen, it's fallen. 
right? So Lucifer can't repent. Satan couldn't repent. Man has the opportunity to repent. So God cut off the tree of life from man, which is in the story at the in Genesis. You got to take the tree of life away or they'll be like the demons, right? So death was given, was a gift to man so that man can't sin, so that man can repent, right? It was so, so man can come back from that. And so if my child is on a secular materialist level, as terrible as it would be to have my child die before he experienced anything, there's also that aspect of he was saved from having to experience all these things. Okay. So while I want to pass it on to you that literally just clicked right towards the end of that. So as you said, death was almost considered a gift. If I heard that correctly, yeah. um, then the perspective would be, and especially once you brought it to material. And it's it not, and it's not that it's not that, it's not that death is good. Let me, let me clarify that. Yeah. There's, but you don't see, okay. So like to, to go from what's, the, I mean, but there's it leaves the material. The shortest verse in the Bible is two words. Jesus wept. And it was about the death of Lazarus, but then he brought Lazarus back from the dead, but he wept about the death. So the death is a penalty, but it's also works as a gift okay okay so this kind of goes beyond materialism and once again this is something that i've wrestled a lot with lately if you can't tell but um you know the idea of your son passing away in this hypothetical scenario um you're Why are you trying to kill my kid man i'm just <laughs> No, never, never, never. I, you sent me a picture of them once. I'm like, those are definitely his kids because I, I could see the face perfectly. Did, did you see the picture? Uh, the one I'm talking about is actually, he's uh, he's the one in the picture with me, Buck, Matt at the monastery. I think I saw that one. Yeah, you'll have to send me that. I, 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 I posted I it on picture. Twitter, but yeah, I'll send it to you. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, but um, he's, he's, he's no longer a kid. And when he realized well, Buck yeah. was who Buck was, he was like, you're Buck Johnson. <laughs> yeah, it's no, no, you're good. You're good. So basically this would depart from materialism and say that like, okay, well he was gifted death, so to speak. So that way he could go on and move on to the afterlife and to something more eternal, more meaningful, because <laughs> we don't view, you don't view the world as, you know, just like, you don't view our life as basically just the time we spent on this earth. And this is the criticism that you would apply to all agnostics and atheists because they have a materials worldview and they don't see anything. I wouldn't apply. I, would, no, I wouldn't apply anything to agnostics and atheists. My wife's an atheist. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't waste my time with the conversation. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. But like from your perspective though, um, the materialist worldview would basically be that like, all you have is a life that you're living and then you wouldn't have anything afterwards. And this kind of also goes like the pre and post enlightenment. But, we, but, but see, I'm Orthodox. So sure. I also believe in prayer for the dead. Okay. So I believe that, that like you can be, 
you can receive grace after death based upon the prayers of those that are faithful. So it's so, like, so it's almost like, think of it this way. It's almost like my relationship with God is intact so that I have the opportunity to ask God to save those people near me that aren't faithful to God. Mm -hmm. So a prayer for the dead might be in your situation from my first conversation that I had with Rachel, she described that when people die and she can correct me in the comments, if I mistake her, cause I want to make sure that I'm getting this correct. Get them. Rachel. Um, yeah, she will. She will. I she takes no shit. So, um, when people pass away from the Orthodox perspective, if the accumulation of life was dealt in more positive deeds and less sin, and if I'm getting any of this terminology wrong, once again, please correct me, um, then you're going to feel the warm presence of God when you die versus where if you sin a lot, then you're not going to feel that same warm presence. So a prayer for the dead would be a prayer for the people who didn't live a life according to God and of the faith the prayer for the dead would basically be to help them repent. Am I wrong? Well, no, you, you can't, you can't repent after you're dead. You, you repent during your life. Like okay, there so have been, there have been records of saints on their deathbed as the angels are escorting them to heaven saying, I, I only began to repent, but they're saints, right? Mm -hmm. And, and so it's like, let me see the deeper, the deeper that you get into faith and, and begin to understand what faith is and begin to understand who God is, the, the, the more you dig into that, <laughs> It's it almost seems anti like like I don't know it just seems like it shouldn't be this way but it is but it makes you want to do more and it's kind of weird so just bear with me the the more you dig in the the more that you see further into yourself and so you see more wrong with yourself and you begin to be able to pick up nuances like oh yeah, that was, that was like passive aggressive without being passive aggressive type deal. But you're like, you begin to pick up on things and you begin to, to really be able to, to root out like the sin and what is causing your sin and where it's coming from. And so much of the time, those that have drawn so close to God, when they look and reflect on themselves, all they see is darkness because they're so close to the light. You see what I'm saying? And the closer darkness is to the light, like the more the light illuminates it for the rest of us, but for that darkness, what does it look like? Does it, it and, and for them, it showed them just how dark they actually were. Right. And so for the rest of us, when we look at these people, we see God's illumination into the world and God's grace, God working through them. But when they look at themselves, they're like, that light is so bright. 
it makes me realize just how dark I actually am. And so they're constantly repenting and the things they're repenting for, you would look at and go, well, that's nothing. Yesterday I flipped off some random UPS guy. I beat the hell out of, out of this pregnant woman over here that cut me off in traffic. You know, like you're like the things that you're like, you're talking about pride and, and resentment and this, that, and the other, I'm physically going out into this world and, and causing chaos. You see what I'm saying? But their understanding is that because they are so close to that light, they can see these seeds and what is creating all that chaos within the world. And they understand that they're holding on to bits and pieces of it. So I don't know if that uh, helps at all. No, 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 it does. It does. <laughs> but my follow-up question would be, so like the hypothetical person you're talking about that's saying, you know, oh, well, I did all these bad things. You know, beat a pregnant woman, flip somebody off, whatever. Oh, I was um, talking about you. I wasn't talking random. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my wife will show her black eye on camera in a few minutes. <laughs> she's, she's, she's probably busy saving somebody's life right now. So regardless, um, uh, like the people who, you know, maybe of the faith that are doing this wouldn't. <laughs> Wouldn't it be important for them to repent of the biggest sins first or? Sh oh, you always do. You're always, okay. you always are. Yeah. You always are Correct. because it's because those are the things that you can see. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that eventually it boils. So, so far down, like it gets so mm -hmm. like you're, you've kind of overcome this physical struggle and, okay. and physically and, and I, but then there's that mental struggle. There's always that stuff, that stuff that's boiling up in your heart, that stuff that you keep locked in, right? Mm -hmm. And you're 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 still fighting that. You see what I'm saying? You do overcome, like, like, I mean, I'm a kinder and gentler person to those around me every day because I discovered orthodoxy. Oh, well, you know what? I forgot to mention uh, that at least once a week, I can expect a derogatory text from you. I meant to put that in the beginning, but I'm glad I just remembered it right now. <laughs> That's just the way I say I love you. I, I know. I know. No, I, was thinking, I was thinking about you, shithead. <laughs> the way that it is. Believe me, I get shit like that all the time. Hey, you fucking faggot. I just saw you in your podcast. You suck. Yeah, don't worry. I love you too, man. Uh, but no. It, it's, it's, it's about like, I'm trying not to get too into the theology. Number one, oh, I'm, go not, ahead. I'm not great on the theology mm -hmm. and, and, and number two, Rachel disagrees. <laughs> Tommy explains it well. <laughs> yeah, but I'm explaining in layman's terms. I'm not getting theological here. <laughs> um, so it's like, you're, you're looking, you're looking for like illumination, right? And, 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 which would be the term that we would use in orthodoxy illumination. You're, you're looking for that light to shine upon you so that you can see your flaws, right? It's like so many of us are so concerned about everybody else's flaws. What orthodoxy does, what, what Christianity does is it gives you the ability to, if I, if I'm to quote Bible verse, ignore 
the splinter in your neighbor's eye into yeah. pay attention to the log in my own eye. Right. And that's what that verse is about. It's about that mm-hmm. self-examination and cleansing yourself because what you're doing is you're setting an example. You're, you're being of assistance to others. You're engaging, you're treating your neighbor as you would want them to treat you. You're loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Like, how do you get to that point? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, that means you got to clean, cleanse this. Because as long as you're not happy with what's going on here, you're never going to be happy with what's going on over there. So, so it's about, you got to focus here so that you can like, you got to help yourself before you help others like that type of deal. It comes from a place that's real. And and so that, I, I think that's what I'm trying to get at is like the best way to explain it is like, as long these people, as long as you can see a darkness or, or something negative about somebody else, then there's something going on with you that you have to fix. And as long as there's something wrong going on with you that you have to fix, you're going to see something negative in other people. Mm-hmm. And it's just this kind of battle and, and you're pulling yourself closer to God so that you can fix all this stuff so that you can look at, I can look at Kyle and see the image of God, mm-hmm. which is what we're told. Like man is made in God's image. If I don't look at you and see God, then what am I doing? I'm doing it wrong. I'm not right yet. I got things I have to fix so that I can see this right. Yeah. I really like the ending there about seeing the image of God in other people, because um, I I think there's something very, very awful about people who don't wish well for other people and aren't excited to see other people's successes. And that sounds very material, but like at the same time, I I think kind of the point that you also made there without necessarily making it was that like, but it tells you something about what's going on in here. Right. Like when you see the image of God in other people, then that means you see the best in them. If I'm not mistaken, like at least that's a way that I would interpret that. Not necessarily. Okay. It's okay. not necessarily seeing the best in them. It's sure. seeing that you're supposed to love them. Okay. Because everybody's flawed, right? Like, I'm look how ugly. Look how ugly I am. Can you believe so many people love me? I'm terrible looking. I, <laughs> I even grew this mask so I look more beautiful and it didn't work. I look like a gremlin on crack. <laughs> Might but be a little tall. Maybe. Tad bit. I'm not even that tall. I'm five ten ish, maybe. And so you and I are about the same height. I might. Yeah, we're about the same height. Yeah, we're about the same height. But, but no, it's it when you when you look at other people and you see negativity in that other person, it's a reflection of what what's going on inside you. Like so, there are times where I catch myself. And I'm like in a, in the day and I want to be like, fuck that person. And I just want to talk shit. And I see this, but I see it in my friends and I'll be mm-hmm. like, why are they, why are they like that? Why are they talking about this guy? Like, what is, what does it matter? It doesn't matter. Like what, what's positive? What's going on? That's positive. 
Like, are we doing anything positive? Are we just going to sit here and just talk shit about this guy? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense. It, like, but two years ago that I, I engaged in that I was doing the same thing, but now it's weird to me. Now it's like, Oh, it's, it's like tur- a turn off. Right. It's, it's like, it's like uh, smokers always say ex smokers are the worst. You see what I'm saying? It's that, that that's what right. it is. Oh, okay. it, you see <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause I'm seeing like me reflected in what they're doing and i'm like yeah, well oh. it, it's yeah it, it's kind of like um former fat people <laughs> i mean hello you look at people former. who yeah former <laughs> oh man that's a fucking gut punch <laughs> but that's a good one nonetheless <laughs> like you look at other people who clearly were suffering the same issues that you were at one point and like in your mind you're just saying why can't this fucking person just be like me and then you know go do push-ups till they puke or just run till they get all the fat off but like fucking disgusting exactly but like you realize hey well they're flawed just like me and at one point i was flawed too until i got better information and then and then but then you start thinking about it and you really start reflecting on it and you're like why does why does a man abuse his children? Oh. Oh. He sees all his own flaws in them. Oh. Right. Why does a man abuse his wife? Oh. He sees his lust in her. You see what I'm saying? Like right. you you start realizing that in order to fix these things, it's a spiritual battle that each person has to engage in and that it's, there's no, there's no political fix. There's no cultural fix. The cult, the cultural fix is the individual fix. Hi. <laughs> I, I think she's probably caught up the stairs. Now I just heard him bark and I think he, <laughs> she must've just got home. Well, okay. So one thing that I wanted to pivot on and we could probably wrap on this is, uh, is I, I think, yeah, it's an hour Damn. of almost five minutes. I can't believe it. Yeah, it's, Damn, it's that went by quick. <laughs> um, I had a lot more to say than I thought I did. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm glad because, like I said, this is a lot of the stuff I wanted to talk about anyways, whether it, you know it was Jay or you. And I'm, I'm glad that we're having this conversation because this is a conversation I wanted to have with you specifically. Um, when um, it comes to, like, libertarianism, like, I don't see these as necessarily mutually exclusive, but I see why people like you, Buck, and maybe to a lesser degree, Pete, um, kind of leaned away from it and more leaned into, I don't want to say dissident right, but also, you know, more towards looking at religion as a more holistic worldview. Like I said, I don't see libertarianism as exclu- mutually exclusive here, but I see why you guys might kind of lean into the orthodoxy or whatever a little bit more well here's here's a problem Here, here's the issue sure. um at least for me uh, i can't speak for buck or matt or or pete like I'm, that's just I'm, I'm not gonna even you know try to um yeah they're both very good friends of mine and i wouldn't i wouldn't want to embarrass them by like labeling <laughs> them with my stupidity um all right, so you got to understand, libertarianism is is a branch of liberalism, right? And an enlightenment and, philosophy. Okay, well, right. And I covered this with my last podcast I did with Charles Haywood. We got into all that. 
But the way I look at it is if you have you ever read James Burnham's Suicide of the West? No, but I listened to the podcast you did with Pete where you guys kind of talked about you entitled it that I know it wasn't about that, but I yeah, thought it was you got to read, you got to read the book, get the audio book. I've, I've, I, that's what I did. I got the audio book when I was driving okay. over the road. Sure. I listened to it several times. It's very good. You'd really enjoy it, but it, it okay. explains so much to me. And one of the things that he says is that what you see as like what they call progressivism nowadays is actually just in evolution of liberalism. It's like, it was like, there was a necessary route that liberalism was going to take. Now I was listening to Michael, Michael Millerman the other day, and he made a good point. He was saying, I think he was reading out of an article. I'd I'll have to go find the article. If, if, if that's exactly what it was, maybe I'll have to go check that podcast again, but I think he was reading it out of an article, but somebody, but it was said that liberalism is always focused forward. And the goal of liberalism is to leave history in the past and not to reflect on history, not to learn from history. Like history is to be left behind. It is to be abandoned completely. And I think that's wrong. And this, I think this is what my problem is with libertarianism because it's still there's still this kind of like liberal seed within libertarianism because that's where it feeds off of. And so I think it's wrong. You don't leave history behind. You got to learn from history. You got to utilize history, right? You got to, and in the point he was making is, is if you have a traditional country, like, like let's say a Saudi Arabia or an Iran or uh, a Russia, that, that tradition you focus on your history, you learn from your history, but you're also acting for future. You're, you're, you're acting in a way that the future glorifies history. And liberalism tells you to leave history behind as if it never existed. If anything, your future should shun your history. You see what I'm saying? And it's like what what these traditional countries are doing that the United States isn't doing is these traditional countries are grabbing on to the good things that of their history, the good traditions, the good parts that make them a culture, make them a people, like create something out of them. And they're taking those good parts and they're moving forward with it. Mm. And liberalism would have you abandon everything because they're so embarrassed about the bad parts. So that's, I really like that perspective. And this is kind of why I've been excited to talk to people about like the enlightenment pre and post enlightenment specifically. I, I, I reached out to Charles Haywood and we're trying to set it up, but um, you know, his schedule is a little bit hectic. Charles, what yes. the hell man? <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out eventually I, I i find him absolutely fascinating but um it, it kind of goes to like the whole eastern bloc country so like if you look at china and how they're developing and russia and then like you know iran and like all these countries that the u.s is completely ready to you know nuke tomorrow essentially um they kept a lot of their history like you said 
and move forward with those traditions with modern day technology and are rapidly increasing their standard of living. So like when you look at China, they have a very, very, you know, a racist culture, a very, very homogenous culture. And like, they're doing very, very well for themselves, but they left behind the bad aspects of communism and are going forward with, you know, different ideas of capitalism and stuff like that. When it comes to Russia, I mean, same deal. Now, I don't think they're necessarily as prosperous as um, China because they don't have like the same, you know, exporting, but like, I look at those kind of situations and I, I don't want to say I'm optimistic and like, I want to move to China or anything like that. But like, I think this goes to your point where, like, I think we here in America look at our history of slavery and all that other stuff and think that we can move past this. We should forget all this and, like, you know, tear all the fences down. And much as the, you know, common saying goes, don't tear a fence down until you understand why I was put up. Well, we need to look at some of these traditions that were torn down to understand, like, was it a good idea that we tore these things down? And should we maybe revisit some of these things? I always say that if you want to know where America's going, in the next 10 years, look at where South Africa is today because they've been having this as the commercial goes, we've been having it. Um, that's a South African commercial. Sorry. Uh, for all of you, <laughs> non South Africans, which I am not South African, but I'm married to one. So I have to watch all these <laughs> weird commercials. And so we be having it, but, um, that, it was it was this weird internet commercial with I think it was uh, Jacob Zuma surfing and it was talking about like this 4G internet and and it's coming to the country and he's like we've been having it you know and mm -hmm. it was it was just a weird commercial but mm -hmm. you know anyway so they were tearing down statues and burning colleges and universities 10 years before the United States started tearing down Confederate statues. There, the destruction of history is very much a communist idea. And if we don't understand these communist ideas and the way they perpetrate, whether, whether the ideologies that we're fighting against or, or perspective are like, or communist in root, they, they have these communist kind of like tendencies. So we have to realize that the ANC, all right, and this is, I'm going to speak on South African kind of politics for a second. The ANC was trained by the Vietnamese, funded by the Soviet Union, to overthrow the DA in South Africa, which is how Mandela ended up getting out of prison and, and apartheid was ended. Mandela got out of prison and was put into power as the president. Right. And, and we have the, and then we have the, uh, what is it? The F, uh, the EFF economic, uh, future, whatever. But the, the EFF is the communist wing of South Africa. The EFF is far enough left, and they continue to radicalize left to a degree that it makes the DA look far right and the ANC look like they're centrists. But the ANC are actually trained by communists. The EFF serves its purpose in distributing the power to the center, which is the communist, while the DA doesn't move. 
Do you see what I'm saying? And so we have to understand that this process continues to happen and it's happening here in the United States. Well, that, that sounds kind of like the idea of progressivism where, you know, you're constantly kind of well, progressivism, progressivism is just that point in which fascism and communism overlap. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that for a bit. <laughs> I've been saying that for three years now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. Well, you know, what's funny in, in when I was listening to Jay Dyer debate Austin Peterson, and I, I like both these guys. I've had um, Austin on the show. I would have him on the show again. I've, I've debate me, debate me, bro. Debate me, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's essentially what a lot of people do now. And I, I, I debate is dead as far as I'm concerned. Um, but like, uh, I completely forgot where I was going with that. So Jay, I don't know. You're Jay and Austin. Yeah. I literally completely lost my train of thought. Uh, Jay and Austin were debating and, um, I don't know. It, it might not be entirely relevant at this point, but, the, um, oh my God, I can't believe I had such a fucking brain fart, but it, it was a good debate. It was a mixed panel with, uh, made by Jim Bob. And I actually have grown to really, really like him as well. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah. They were talking about they they talked about the enlightenment a little bit, uh belief. Oh, I can't believe it. Regardless. Anyways. Progressivism. Okay, no, no, okay. Holy shit. I can't believe it finally came back to me after like a minute. Holy hell. So basically, like Jay had brought up the point that like when you get to the point that we're at now, where you have um corporations that essentially run the government and are beholden to government interests, then like this idea that like you know, corporatism, capitalism, and communism are like so far apart really doesn't hold water because like, you know, if it's a private company that's putting you in a gulag and they run the government, is it really different than the government putting you in a gulag? No, it's not because it's just, you know, whether you want to have a Google gun point at your head or if you want to have the government gun point at your head, like the, the difference really isn't there. So this is one thing that kind of had me questioning the foundation of libertarianism, like, you know, when you look whichever at whichever gun today, has the whichever gun has the little boxing glove that pops out and just kind of punches mm -hmm. you, like I'm, I'm yeah. down with that one. Yeah, I would prefer that, that one, one too. Yeah, <laughs> but like basically the idea, like if you were to, they were talking about 15 minute cities, and uh, they they kind of got to like you know if you're gonna have a government mandated 15 minute city versus like a uh, you know a Google 15 minute city, and Austin's argument, which I. I think it's actually a reasonable argument, but not a great one is say that like, okay, well, at least with a, a government one, you know, they already fuck everything up. So like, at least you have a free market one, then it's going to be better and beholden to market forces. But like, at the same time, like I said, it's not a great argument. It's a decent argument. But, um, you know, I guess then the next step would be that like, if you look at how closely intertwined governments and corporations are today, the difference is almost immaterial. Yeah, I mean that, and that's what Jay's saying. He's yeah. he's 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 really saying, what's the distinction? How do you right. distinguish between where the government? And I've been saying this, and I was pointing this out with like Facebook, right, and mm -hmm. and Twitter years ago. That it's like okay, they were funded by the CIA through mm -hmm. uh, uh, Q Intel. Yeah. Right. It's like, if, is it really a private company if it's funded by the government? 
Like at what point? All right. So then if you're going to say no, then is Microsoft private? It would depend on how much money they receive from the government. It it doesn't matter. I'm saying they're getting funded by the government. Like this is my thing. Now you look at like corporate welfare. Is this just a way to buy these corporations and engulf them and swallow them into the government and make them part of the government, you know, capacity. And then we see the way that these, these, uh, technological companies work with the government and they they act no different than the government so it's like they're basically in congruence with the government so is it better that it's google than it is the u.s government no because they both act the same right you know essentially at that point like do you really get the best from google are you really getting the best no no, and that's one thing that I thought was a reasonable criticism. And, like, to your point, I, I think everybody would agree that, like, corporate welfare is wrong. And that's, you know, stealing, essentially stealing from the poor to pay to the rich. If everybody would be taking money. If everybody the- agreed with that, then there would be no corporate welfare. Well, okay. Yeah, well, fair, fair enough. But, like, people, when I say everybody, no, I'm referring to, like, people see, in our this sphere. Is, this is what I, this is what I say. Like, this is how this is how you've gotten this this capture within the government sphere, right? Mm-hmm. We have the parasite class, which is mm-hmm. the welfare class. Then you have the productive class, which is the middle class. Mm-hmm. So you have the rich and the impoverished alike living off the dole of the government. Mm-hmm. And it's all funded by the middle class who are productive. All right. And this is why welfare never ends is because the middle class are outnumbered by the wealthy and the impoverished. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily agree that they're outnumbered by the rich, maybe by the impoverished, but like the no, rich together, have a dis- together, together, together. Okay. Together. together. Well, yeah. Like, so yeah, like the, the, the upper echelons, the well, the, the, the parasite class are those that live off of welfare, which would be your ultra rich and your ultra poor. Right. I, I I don't remember who said it, but they said it's like socialism for the uber rich and the uber poor and then capitalism for the middle class. Right. But they're always happening at the same time. Right. And you really can't have a sustainable system like that because once again, now, you know, what's the incentive? And this is why work? I say, this is why I say progressivism is where fascism and communism intersect. Yeah, I, I like that saying a lot, Rachel. <laughs> Why does the stream not have 600 plus viewers? Something must be done about it. Rachel, you know, you, you've done a bang up job for me. Um, our first show together was probably one of my most viewed ones. And then every single time I talk to Tommy, um, you know, we talk about stuff outside of politics. Every time, time he talks to me, he loses viewers. That's the way it goes. <laughs> no, I don't think that's true. But, um, well, you know what, tell, why don't you tell the viewers where they could find you so that way when they leave my channel, they can go see your channel and then leave you bad ratings. Hopefully not, but they could potentially. Do well, you can't find time. me on YouTube. <laughs> you can. No, I'm not on YouTube anymore. Mm. No, I did. I didn't even get a strike. They just kicked mm. me off. They were just like, well, no, I, screw you're. I think your chan- I think you said you don't have access to your channel, but I know like your podcasts get put up there through the libertarian. Oh no, too, yeah, right? that that does. Yeah. It automatically goes. But I had yeah. video up. Yeah, I recall. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so I recorded uh 
with Jim Jotras and Daniel McAdams on the mm -hmm. war in Ukraine. And, uh, I said, I called it the West at war and, uh, boom, gone. I'm not allowed to put my videos up on YouTube anymore. Mm -hmm. Maybe I could start another channel. I don't know. I haven't even tried, but you can find me at rumble year zero at rumble. Um, and then Tommy Salmons, S A L M O N S like the fish, but I'm from the South. So we pronounce the L uh, com is my substack, And then libertarianinstitute.org forward slash year dash zero forward slash is where you can find all my stuff. And I have a tomorrow I'll be releasing a new podcast. I, I forgot to release one last week. The other driver that works with me. Um, usually there's two of us. Now it's just me and uh, he's in the hospital. So I'm kind of stretched a little thin right now. And I totally just lost track of time and forgot to release podcast last week, but I will be releasing it tomorrow and it's with Synaxis podcast uh, and it's going to be called aliens and demons and psyops. Oh my. So I like it. Well, I'll definitely uh, check it out whenever it's released. Um, I've, I've listened to your stuff a ton lately. So, uh, yeah, Tommy, I appreciate you coming on, especially last minute. And, uh, Rachel, I appreciate you uh, boosting the hell out of all this stuff. Thank you, I Rachel. You both far and wide. Love, Jim. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And, Tommy, if you've got anything else, <coughs> we'll uh, close her out, brother. No, that's it. We're good. Cool. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.